All right. This is Polo. This is Becky. We here. We coming. The battle continues. This is Born to Battle. We got a big one today. We bring it down memory lane. We got my boy window and we about to battle. Now Plum, you ready for an episode you ain't never seen before? Man, I am so ready for this. I've known Wendell since I was in, I think, third or fourth grade. And yeah, we go way back. I know you guys have a lot of history together. So I'm very, very happy to have this entrepreneur, this hooper, join us on Born to Battle. Welcome, Wendell. Hey, thank you for having me, guys, and I appreciate you guys. Absolutely. So, I mean, before we officially got this show starting started, uh, you guys were catching up, and something that we all played together was basketball. Um, growing up, we back in like elementary school, me and Wendell were at El Monica playing on those blacktops, uh, yeah. <laughs> original back in the day. And then uh, I think fifth grade, me and Wendell were on the same basketball team through yep. the YMCA. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is actually the first time I had encountered Chris because we played against him. Uh, Chris doesn't remember me, mm-hmm. but he remembered playing against you. Um, you played against Chris? Yeah, we played against Chris fifth grade. Fifth, yeah. I don't even remember that. Yeah, he had the big old fro. That was <laughs> that was oh, before the braids. That was before I the braids. Was, <laughs> I was on the yellow team. Yeah. Y'all were red. Yep. <laughs> Yeah. Yep, and then I know you guys played all through middle school together. Uh, y'all were a little more talented than me. <laughs> than most, than most, you know. <laughs> um, and then we ended up playing freshman year basketball together for, well, two out of three of us played most of the year. <laughs> but um, growing up, Wendell, you were probably the, the most talented basketball player I had ever played with played against seen in our age demographic and uh it it meant a lot something that stuck out to me for basically my entire life since it happened was after freshman year tryouts we got our names called out we walk them in the hall and you yell out yo nate my boy i knew you could do it and like man i never forgot that because it came from the dude that i like respected a lot for his game and, right. and it's like that that one thing really stuck out to me and obviously I still remember it. So it meant a lot at that time. So thank you for that. Yeah. Oh. Like um, man, those days. I mean, that's where it all started for us, right? It was just hoop, man. We just love just kids just love playing ball. And you know, it's funny though, even then, even back then, my mom would still laughs at me to this day is even when it came into like tryouts for just you know, metros and stuff like that. I'd still be waiting by the phone for that phone call. Like, come on. And like worried is, you know, and still was excited, you know, you know, it was, it was, it's, it's crazy to look back and think, and, you know, it did come a little more natural and, you know, it's definitely what I'm known for, you know, around, around the town. And, and that's when I met, you know, Becky, like that's where me and Becky came close um, from day one was um, sixth grade Metro tryouts and just, you know, his dad taking me in and, and, just building that friendship and that bond from that day, you know, still some of the best days of my life ever, man. Um, and, and that's just crazy. 
you know, it's crazy that it's been this long. It's crazy that it's went by so fast. Yep. Um, it, it seems like yesterday, you know. Absolutely. So, yeah. Yeah, it really does. And the thing was so crazy, too. There's a common theme around the love and how we've all been friends for so long and they never broke us apart. Maybe a distance separated but it's just a picking back up like it was middle school where best friends all over again. Right. Right. Absolutely. It's that bond. It's that bond that I mean, how long has it been, Chris? I haven't seen you in so long, man. Mm. You know, my wildhood or my wild story, man, with just school and messing up and flunking out and all that just took me on a whole nother journey. And, you know, God has blessed me, but it's been, it's literally been years and I can pick up the phone with you and hop on this. And it's just like, you know, we're all busy, right? We all got our own stuff going on and 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 then now you're dealing with, with what you're battling with and to see how strong you are. And I'm and I'm hopping into this and it's just is this as if it's never like yesterday, right? From the last time we was just chopping it up, bro. It's is mm-hmm. that's what that's it's brotherhood, you know? And same with your family too. And I, I gotta get on the phone. I gotta call your pops, man. Your mom's been too long, man. It's been way too long. I miss all you guys. Oh yeah. I'll have to do it. A special call uh, when I go down to their place, and then you and my pops cannot chop it up a little most, bit. It would love that. Most definitely. Most definitely. Awesome. Uh, well, I mean, you were touching on this a little bit, but a way that we like to go through our episodes is just doing a little question session. Okay. Um, so, Chris, you want to start out with uh, your first question? Yeah, so we talked about a little bit when we all first got on, but I want to plug in on us and our tour more, but everyone knows, Wendell was the guy. He was a hooper, silky smooth, lefty. He got dimes, he got bounce, and he got rain. He was a modern-day NBA player, before there was that Monday. So, this guy, I took his chance overseas um, yeah. after high school. So, tell us a little about your experience of where you played, what it was like, and everything within your basketball uh, career. Yeah. Um well, thank you for the compliments. It's still always good to hear it. You know, I'm so, I'm out of shape now, bro. I haven't touched a rock and I don't know how long I miss it. You know, I guess kids will do that to you sometimes. Uh, but uh, yeah, it was, it's a crazy story, bro. Like, I, I feel like I have a book to write, man. I don't know how many people would read it, but. Um, <laughs> I, would, man. I would too, man. You definitely got some stories. <laughs> I mean, at a, so I got kicked out of high school. And uh, for just being wild, you know, this was kind of when I was kind of getting introduced to my dad's side of the family and, um, you know, my 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 uh, dad's side of the family in and out of gangs or in and out of trouble, just mixing around, trying to fit in. And 
just ditching school, skipping school, just trying to fit, uh, fit in and, you know, you know, get in with those guys over on, on my dad's side of this uh, family. And um, it, it led me into a lot of trouble. But, uh, you know, I was literally out of high school my junior year and just started working. You know, I was at Nike, um, just a lot of footwear gigs, Dick Sporting Goods, stuff like that, just bouncing around, working nine to fives. And um, I actually moved in. I got kicked out of my mom's house and I moved in with my pops. So not knowing my pops as well, my what I love my pops for so much is that he always had a room for me, no matter what I was going through, you know, doors were open and I always had a place to stay. So, um, <clears throat> I moved in over there in Vancouver and, uh, <clears throat> this is kind of crazy, bro. I have like an OJ Mayo type of story. So, like I said, God has blessed, blessed me with so many opportunities to try to make the basketball stuff happen. And uh, I'm working at, a Marshall, at the Marshall Center. That's kind of like the rec center, like the THPRD that we grew up playing at. And uh, I'm working there. And, uh, you know, on my shift, I was able to kind of like shoot around, work on my game and play. And so I was doing that. And then um, some guy walked in on me shooting around and just working out. And he's just sitting by the door just watching me. No one's in the gym, just me and myself. And um, out of nowhere, like five days later of just me working out, he finally like comes up to me and talks to me. He's like, yo, your game is just phenomenal. Like, you know, where are you from? How old are you? You know, where'd you graduate from? All this, that, and the third. And uh, I was like, I went to, you know, Westview High School. I got kicked out, ended up getting my GED at PCC. And he's like, well, I'm actually the – head coach for the varsity team at Hudson's Bay High School in Vancouver. He's like, what if I were to tell you I can help you get your diploma and you come play basketball for me? And I was like, well, I'm, I'm 19 years old. You know what I'm saying? Like, I was already on, at the cutoff limit to legally even play high school basketball. And um, he's like, well, let's just go out to, you know, let's go out to uh, lunch or something and we'll talk about it. Does it sound good? And, you know, he took me, went right off a of fourth plane in Vancouver, right in the hood. We just, he went to this subway and we're sitting here talking. He's like, bro, I got to get you on my basketball team. He's like, I don't care. Are you down to play? I can guarantee, you know, you playing time, minutes, games, all this stuff. And I'm just like, hell yeah. You know? And he's like, well, look, you're over the legal age to play in high school, but <laughs> I want you, I want you on the team. So you just can't tell nobody, you know, <laughs> you're 18 years old. <laughs> and I'm like, are you serious? I'm like, he's like, yeah, you can't tell nobody. I'm like, okay. <laughs> so next thing you know, I'm at Hudson's Bay High School in Vancouver, Washington. And we're playing fall ball. And I'm going back to high school. I'm back in high school, Chris. And I'm telling you, like, I'm the new kid on at, at, at school. You know, I got these kids like I'm still immature at that time I'm still a young man but like still not like trying to mess around with these high school kids but they're all trying to like be friends with me and I'm just like yo leave me alone you know got the girls on me you know this and the third I'm sitting there eating lunch outside like like a loner even though they're telling, oh, come in with us come eat with I'm just like no I'm out here you know and it was so weird man and um uh so that led to, you know, playing fall ball. And Chris, bro, I'm putting up like 30 
34 point, 35 points a game, dropping 15 <laughs> rebounds. I'm just oh, killing. Man, man. And everybody was like, yo, who is this kid? Bro? <laughs> where the hell did he come from? Um, and uh, I'm in the freaking newspaper. People are like, who the f- is this dude? And it was just wild, bro. So back to the schooling part, you know, with me having trouble with school and stuff, you know, there was like pretty tip, like just a typical like senior project. It was like a year, like a whole year type of project. And then you'd have like some homework stuff here and there. But like, you know, me with school is like, I didn't want to do none of it. And, you know, I literally fell from straight A's to straight F's in a matter of weeks. And the coach comes up to me. He's like, Wendell, what the hell are you doing? Like, all you got to do is just pass your classes. I'm like, all right, man, I'm just not good with the school stuff, you know, whatever, whatever. And uh, uh, literally the next day back at school, my grades went from A or from F's right back to A's. Man. And he's like, just do your schoolwork, man. You're going to piss off the teachers. They were, I guess they were all in cahoots or whatever with the coach, whatever it was. I don't know. <laughs> but all I know is it went from straight F's to straight A's. <laughs> that literally happened probably three times. Like it literally went from back from F's to A's right back to F's again. And, Window, what are you doing? Like, <laughs> you know, and uh, so uh, it was crazy because during the fall ball season, <clears throat> I was killing, and then come to find out after going to school, putting up with just the whole school thing and all this stuff, um, he found out that I was only eligible for four games. So I wish I would have stuck it out, but at that time, I was just like, yo, you promised me like a full season. I'm sitting here taking the bus to school. I'm, you know, dealing with these kids in school. Like, hell no. Like, I'm not doing this. And I ultimately quit. And it's funny because you could see a YouTube video online. It's like Wendell, Wendell Williams, Hudson Bay High School prep basketball or something. And it, one of the parents got me on a fast break just, just doing a little simple a dunk or whatever. And in the comments, people were like, where did Wendell go? Like, he disappeared. And I just dipped, man. I just didn't want to do it. And uh, that forced me back to the nine-to-five grind um, and uh, moved back back out here to Beaverton, <coughs> bouncing around couch to couch just um, uh, with some homies and um, – just back to working. And, um, I actually linked up, you remember Eric Allen, Chris, Nathaniel? Oh, yeah. Yes. And, uh, mom used to break my hair. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> so Eric plugged me with a trainer named Edward, this guy, um, Edward, that was up, he was training Travis outlaw and, um, mm. some girl from the sparks, um, at the time. And, uh, I, pr- I pretty much started training with him. I was waking up in the mornings, you know, working out. And the goal was to kind of get overseas. That was the plan. And um, what happened? Ugh, so much stuff happened. So, I mean, uh, tra- once Travis Outlaw really started seeing my game, um, liked where it was going. You know, I was r- still young at the time. And um, after a little while, he pretty much set up a um, a time for Kevin Pritchard. That's what led to I had a, a workout with the Blazers. Back when we uh, had uh, Odin, Aldridge, Roy, and uh, Kevin Pritchard came to watch um, me work out with Travis at, at the rec center. Uh, uh, and off the strength of Travis and me and Travis building that relationship, um, hooked me up with a tryout, um, you know, at the practice facility in Tualatin. And, uh, 
you know, that was like my biggest thing was like, yo, can I hang with these? You know, you watch the TV, you sit here and you know how your game is. And you're just like, yo, I know it's more physical in, in the, at the pro level, you know, but you, you just sit there and I've always thought like, I know I can hang, you know, like, I just want to know, you know, that's what we all wonder, you know? And um, sure enough, I get, I'm not going to say I sat out there and just killed it, but I went out there and had a great workout. Um, I could hang, you know, I, I was in, I wasn't, you know, killing nobody or nothing, but I, I could hang. And um, that trial ended up leading into Kevin Pritchard um, wanting to keep tabs on me and um, loving my game to where he was, he wanted me to um, play for the Idaho Stampede at the time, the, the D league, G league or D league at the time, um, the affiliate team to the Blazers. And, uh, but me and Edward were kind of keeping our options open, trying to get me overseas and trying to figure out at the time what route we wanted to take. So it was on the table. <laughs> um, so that was a blessing. And then, um, you know, I'm, I'm still working the nine to five gigs training with Edward and, and, uh, Chris and a lot of the, my boy, you remember Chris, Chris Roberson and oh, yeah. The, yeah. So they, uh, I guess they said they just hated seeing me working these nine to five jobs. Like, you know, you should be hooping somewhere. And they had an ABA tryout up in Seattle, Washington for the Washington Raptors. And that's when my life just changed, bro. Like it went from, uh, you know, working a nine to five, we went up, they paid for everything. It was like a $2,000 trial. The homies bought the hotel, paid for everything, went up there. Killed, killed the uh, the tryout, made the team, and the next thing you know, we're traveling. You know, we're traveling state to state. Within five games, uh, we get invited out to China for an invitational. And uh, that's when, you know, because ABA, you know, you're not making much money, you know, depending on ticket sales, uh, you know, at the time and stuff. And the ABA is not what it once was, obviously, back when Dr. J and them were playing. But, uh you know, it, it it was far in between a couple hundred dollars here, a couple hundred dollars there, if you're lucky. Um, but when I went over there, we went to Chengdu um, and then to Beijing and uh, I, your boy went to work. Your boy went to work. Um, uh, they interviewed me after the game on a press conference. The coach came up to me and like, that's when it just changed my life. Like he was just like, yo, we want you to come back and finish on the season. I mean, how would you like to play for? And it was the uh, the Beijing Oasis, same team in the CBA, same team um, Yao Ming played for, and uh, went back home, celebrated with the family, and next thing you know, I'm back in China. I'm back in China and finished out the half of the season, and uh, I was out there for three and a half years and didn't learn a lick of Chinese. <laughs> 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 you learned how to point <laughs> you know they had like translators and stuff for us it was cool like the lives like you know like regardless if you're a ball player or not like the culture was just super dope man like i just remember getting out there off the plane for the first time and there was like press and media and stuff out there and uh i'm listening to my headphones on the plane coach is trying to talk and he was telling he was telling us he was like um or no this wasn't coach excuse me this was uh I don't know, someone just, someone with the team, I don't know, remember who it was, someone with the team or someone just involved with like my translator or something, I don't know who it was, but he was just like telling us some things that you want to like be careful of doing, you know, in the Asian, or in Asian culture, I guess you could say. And 
I guess one of those things were like spitting in public, you know, and the first thing I did, I, I wasn't listening. I was literally like on my headphones and I remember it was so embarrassing and I felt so bad. And I literally just get off the plane and I just spit, like hopped a loogie almost like just spit. And they just looked at me like, <sighs> like, and I was like shocked. I was like, what happened? He's like, bro, you're not supposed to be spitting, you know, and they find it really disrespectful. And there was just a lot of other little things too. Just like, you know, I, I guess like, eye contact for like only so long without looking away and kind of gauging back in. There was just a lot of things, but China was literally the dopest. It was so dope out there. It was so dope. Um, and I don't care if you're an athlete or not, if you're American, I mean, there was literally times where, you know, girls fathers would be trying to pass their daughters off to you like her <laughs> home and i'm just like yo what what are you i'm so like it was crazy you know and like the like the drinking age i think was different and like you'd see kids and stuff in the clubs and and it, it was crazy it was like they were kind of there were some immature but more so more mature younger cats like in clubs and stuff kicking it it was just such a great experience man like just being out there and there's definitely some stories that we got to talk in private about. Yeah. Crazy. Uh, definitely. Well, I mean, yeah, man. first off, like shout out to the homies. Cause I mean, they pushed you to chase your dream. Right. 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 I mean, yeah. that's huge. And honestly, yeah. like that's, that's a story like you see in movies, you see on TV. Uh-huh. It's like, ah, right. oh, man, that shit ain't real. Right. But you lived it. Like right. you had friends that pushed you to do it. You really right. did chase your dream. Right. I mean, you made it to play professionally in Asia, which is huge. Right. Definitely wasn't the route I wanted to take, but it was an experience that I'll never forget. A time of my life that I'll never forget. And, you know, mind you, like, I was still coming out, like, technically, even though throughout the training and, like, you got to think, like, this was a matter of just weeks, like months, like a couple months is training with Edward and that the whole blazer trial and all that, like it just happened so fast. And mind you, I was still not in the best shape possible, you know, going into as far as I made it, you know, still out of shape, you know, I was still able to, you know, dunk and do some of the other things, but I wasn't definitely nowhere near what I could have been in, in my prime or, you know, what maybe you guys are accustomed to seeing more so where my game was. I mean, the jumper will never leave. You know what I'm saying? But yeah. <laughs> Chris knows finding me in that corner, boy. <laughs> Man, no, it's probably half of my assist every time Tim knocked down, me. He always made it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, something that Chris and I both value a lot is traveling and the experience that you get from it and how much you can learn not only about yourself, but about another culture. Um, right. And that's what you were trying to go into. So I, I didn't want to cut you off there, but I was wanted to tie it all in together with, with some of our uh, experiences as well. Um, but continue. So you're in China. Oh, yeah, I'm in China. <laughs> I was going into my third season. I was on a fast break going up for a dunk and dude took out my legs. And next thing you know, I'm in an ambulance and scared to go to a hospital in Asia and the team didn't want to pay for my MRI. And, you know, there's only, um, I want to say, I think it's two domestic players per team. I don't know if that's, I know that's the CBA rule. So there was, there was literally me and another American on the team. That was it. And so you're, you're so 
disposable at that time, no matter how much you're producing. Um, but this injury, it took me out. Like I wasn't able to walk. Like x-rays came back. Um, my bone structure was fine. Doctors just saying it could be something, you know, muscular or, or, um, nerve or, or something like that, that I needed an MRI. My team didn't want to pay for it. And, and, uh, next thing you know, I'm shit back home, can't walk, can't move. And I'm just replaced, you know, that fast. And, uh, it was, uh, a blessing. I don't know. I just felt like at that time, that was like, kind of like God's last opportunity for me. You know, there's just so many opportunities he, he's given me. And, uh, I was, I don't think I took advantage of the opportunity all the way um in the sense of just taking it serious you know like I said is like I was always that player that it came more naturally to um to where I just wasn't really just dogging stuff out man with just working out involved like evolving my game and taking it to the next level just you know really going after it and I felt like it was like the next chapter because like I you know I I feel like I could have I definitely didn't even do my therapy, you know, my physical therapy. Um, I didn't see that through. And, you know, I complain about it to this day to where it's like, yo, like I just couldn't hoop anymore. But I also didn't really do the physical therapy that was needed all the way. And, um, and for the type of injury and, or the, at least the pain I was going through, like it just. It needed that intense, you know, treatment and uh, I didn't follow through and. Um, that's when I got back into like, okay, now I have no one on my back again. I can relax. Every day was waking up, training at six in the morning. Like I was really grinding, you know, working out. And I just didn't have that trainer on my ass every day. And, you know, the, the fact that I wasn't able to walk, um, it just led to just laziness, um, gaining more weight. And that's literally where it all started. Like that's where honestly all my, my weight gain, a lot of that stuff started. The end of basketball right there. And I, I literally probably hooped a handful of times, you know, since then. So, yeah. It's so crazy how you we look back and some from my perspective might say, man, you playing in China would have been the greatest uh, basketball members and the most fun. But you, Colin, when you're in middle school, was love of the game. And, it really shows how sports evolved to a, a love for the game, fun to honestly a business and producing. Right. You're injured next person. So it's crazy, man. It is. It is. And that, wow. that thing, I think that's where a lot of the, the push, when, when you're in a whole nother, you know, country, um, on the other side of the world and just away from family and you start realizing it's like, you know, I had my, um, it's, it's, it's when you realize like it's fun, it's what you love, it's your passion, but at the same time, stress, you know, gets involved because you know, like, yo, this is also work now, competitive work. Mm -hmm. Um, and what should have drove me to work harder but I, de I definitely could say that it did take a toll, a big toll on just a lot, a lot of uh, me pushing through some of the, the struggles and the trials and tribulations that I was going through at the time being there. Sure. You know, because that's what basketball is the best for me when it's just fun, right? When we could just uh -huh. go, ooh, 
you yeah. know, so most definitely. Yeah, when you don't have to think about it and you really are just going out there and just playing for fun, trying, you know, just trying to get buckets. <laughs> right, right, straight up. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, honestly, you were able to do so much uh, for a basketball career just strictly relying on your talent. Right. Like, and, right. and not necessarily having that work ethic. Right. Yeah. And that's the scary part. It's just like, I, t- I think about it all the time. I'm like, wow. Like if I would have, you know, someone who had that work, work ethic that I've seen that was just been crazy was, and, and Chris, you, you, you can probably vouch for this too, is Chris Richard, man. Chris Richard was somebody that, you know, we, we saw him and his game grow and he was just never there with us, you know, and he'd come from the other side of the town to try to really mess with us, you know, and he just wasn't there. And I just remember, like, it almost just felt like a Goku Vegeta type moment, bro. Like, it honestly felt like I was away. I come back just hooping at the wreck. And I'd always see him working out, you know, um, over in that, uh, what area was that? That's uh, over right by, like, Sunset High School at that rec center over there. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, hoop, and he'd always be there just working on his game. And it wasn't, like, playing pickup games. It wasn't this, that, and the third. It was literally – him focusing and working and training on his game. And uh, I just, I just felt like it was a, a, a light switch, like of a difference in a sense of we went to the wreck and like, you know, I'm going out there just doing my thing and just not really playing, but then kind of already used to his style of play. And I hadn't seen him in a while. And he literally locked me down. I mean, given I wasn't really trying and he was really going in, but I just saw the improvement drastically. And it was just, just seeing, where his game just the the work ethic that kid had man is just that that goes to show you with anything you do you know you you put your mind to it and you work you can and then he goes off and gets a scholarship i think i think he played at uh, OS, osu i think yeah he did yeah, the, he's down there, though. yeah, yeah. and that, that was cool you know like so that was good to see him you know and and, and i always think about it all the time he's like man if i if I would have been on my shit, man, it, it could have been a different story, you know, but it goes back to the old homage of hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. Yep. And, and I, I believe that hundred uh, percent. But I mean, regardless, you still had an amazing experience. Oh yeah. Most amazing time. And like, you still did things that most of us wish we could do uh, yeah. day in and day out. We usually don't like grill our 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 guests with their entire life story <laughs> uh like you've put out there, but we'll give a opportunity for me and Chris to talk a little bit, but yeah. also circle back on this but uh you you segued into what you're into now, which is the hobby life um so I'm gonna ask Chris growing up what were some of the hobbies that you were into outside of like the sports world? Man, I was a typical dude to win. Only thing I really cared about besides sports was collecting shoes and playing NBA 2K. And it always kept me playing video games and just George Zoom. I was Zoom. Man, I was a typical kid. I didn't care about nothing else. Yeah, for sure. I remember, I like growing up. I was into Pokemon a little bit, like early. That's elementary school. 
So oh, I'm working yeah. on that. Uh, and then I got into sneakers and video games, like up through high school. Uh, but like, I think for all of us, sports was a big thing that we spent our time on. Right. Y'all ever play um, Pogs? Oh, Pogs was the shit. <laughs> you pull up with the best slammer, you're taking <laughs> Oh, man, you come up with like 10 tubes, like ready to yep. take everyone's stuff. Uh, <laughs> Pogs. Oh, man. Oh, man. That's hilarious. <laughs> the big metal slammer jack up. Oh, they're the bugs, man. Hey, you, like a bug. you pull up with a plastic slammer, bro. You a, hey, you a chump. <laughs> it's a wrap. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> uh, what about you, Wendell? What were some of your hobbies outside of basketball and sports? Oh, man, I was, I was a, um, I've always kind of just been a collector of a lot of stuff, man. It's weird. Um, you know, um, I always loved clothes. I'm so happy I'm over that phase of my life. Um, yeah. The countless dollars spent on clothes and even designer stuff and just stuff that it was just so unnecessary. Um, but I was the biggest sneakerhead. That was my thing, shoes. Um, and it, I, I had a problem. Um, and I recently just got over that problem, um, probably like three, four years ago. And um, I'm sitting here with over 200 pairs of sneakers, half of them not even worn. And I'm like, yo, what am I doing? And I ended up taking a huge loss because it got to the point. It finally got to the point to where I had to clear it all out. And um, I didn't get nowhere near what I could have got for a lot of this stuff because I had to move it so fast. But sneakers were big um, from day one. Pokemon obviously was was my shit growing up. And um, I remember... Pokemon being banded from Elmonica Elementary where we went to school because you started seeing best friends fight. You started seeing people Aww. steal best friends. You started seeing all sorts of stuff that Pokemon was doing. And it was funny because I was on the blacktop slanging Pokemon cards. I remember it like yesterday when it was banded from the school and I'm just sitting here making money, you know, slanging Pokemon cards still. And uh, that, that was probably the biggest the biggest hobby like as a kid but what a lot of people didn't know i was really big on dragon ball z um oh. bro dragon ball z i'm still a dragon ball z nerd man i love all that bro i was collecting the dvds the movies japanese version um the cards all of it um and i still have i just got back when i got back into the sports cards i just got back into the dragon ball um cards too and i'm i'm a nerd with it man i love i love that stuff Oh, what is it about collecting things that really got you? I don't, I don't, it's, you know what it is, is <sighs> I'm, uh, I'm not going to say I'm money hungry, but it feels good to have something of value that's necessarily not money. Um, oh. and, and I love, and, and I love it that it's something that I enjoyed as a kid. Um, you know, uh, and that's why I love sports cards, you know, and, and it like it was just a plus that it actually started taking off and being one of the biggest investments you can actually make right now. It was just a big plus um, that that happened. Um, but I, I would say that like I, I love I love um, I even I collect jerseys, shoes, memor- all the memorabilia and, and the fact that 
you know, it all starts from like, you know, spending something that's not as valuable, but still has some value. And then maybe you can't, excuse me, maybe you can't afford some huge Jordan, you know, $5,000 Jordan Jersey, you know, that you really want. That's really your, your, your passion, but you can go buy this player, this player, and this player over time, and then eventually trade it. You know, it's almost like saving, you know, rather than the guy that can't save the money. But if you go buy into something else and you just flip that to go get, you know, what you wanted, I, I just loved, I loved it, man. It built connections. Um, the hobby's so huge, the friendships, like it's, it's crazy, man. That, that's what I'm really loving about the thing about it all really is just the friendships and us, you know, even since Nate got back into it um, and, and some of the other homies getting back into collecting, you know, we're ripping and opening these boxes and, and cards but then we're also talking sports and talking players and talk like just reliving just it, it's it's no more than barbershop talk you know oh yeah you know i love it i love it yeah it's pretty funny like never i was never really into sports cards growing up and oh no no i i didn't have any actually when you started doing this like putting up your shop i was like oh maybe i you know i'll give it a shot see see right. if there's anything i like um and then i got into one of your breaks and i was just like oh man this is like this is fun <laughs> like like it's you're investing in the potential of of like some great athletes which is like right. really cool and and it makes like the sport way more interesting because you make like really start rooting for people that you never would have thought like right i would i'm not gonna root for the calves like nobody out there like i like but now i'm like oh I got Isaac Okoro and like, I'm trying to see this dude come up. <laughs> oh, the fun part about it is, thanks buddy. The fun part about it is, is, you know, the, the, the next season has to start. It's about to start here soon. Mm-hmm. But as we're going through, you know, some of these rookies and prospects, you know, the season starts. And then the guy that you just never thought would ball the hell out just starts taking off. And then you're running back to your collection like, oh, I think, oh, shit, I got like 10 of him, bro. And the money, it just, his stuff's going through the roof. And you're like, oh, let's go. You know, <laughs> it's it's just, it's fun, man. It's just so fun. I love it. I love it. I think I'm a long-term person of fantasy basketball. Oh, yeah. Most definitely. Yeah. That's exactly what it is. But Chris, you want to share an ALS update and then we'll wrap up our, our little talk? Yeah, so not anything really new for a while, but with ALS something, oh, we are currently 11 weeks out from the uh, Phoenix Mesa Sports Marathon. The training is getting harder and harder uh, for Bob in terms of mentally getting preparing. And really pushing himself to the limit. So it's real exciting. And it's been kind of hard on me and I think Bobby too. Because after I got my feeding to him, I was um, resting for about two weeks. So it was one of the greatest feelings to, for both of us to get back out together 
and do some running in the morning. Right. And it's it's a huge man. Something I always look forward to now pushes of both of us up. Our goals are still there and we're getting closer and closer now. It's exciting. It's coming up before we know. And uh, I can't wait. I'm giddy about the already. <laughs> yeah, man. That's super exciting. I feel like we've been talking about it for, for a while now. And now that it's only basically three months away, uh-huh. it's like, man, this is this is happening. Right. Right. It's all them. The training that will lead up to it. But if Phoenix works out well, the world is an oyster for qualifying for a Boston, Chicago, New York. So yeah. you never know. Sky's the limit. Hopefully we're there. And that stuff you got to qualify for, for a lot of the other stuff? And yeah, for those. So he yeah. has to run uh, some uh, three hours and 20 minutes for Boston, and then like three hours, five minutes for New York and Chicago. So hey. I'm just um, the dead weight. He gets the first, but I ain't dead yet. You guys are sad. <laughs> yeah, are isn't sad. that crazy, bro? Like, how, it's what, 26 miles? <laughs> Man, in three hours, bro. <laughs> so that's where I lost it. So, you know, I've been staying updated. Like, I've been watching all the, like, the posts and the updates. And uh, watching your partner, I'm sitting here, I'm like, okay, like, how much are they running? Like, like, is it like five miles? And I, I, you know, mistake me if I'm wrong. I don't know what it was, the exact number. But when I heard it, I was like, yo, what? How much are they running? Like, yo, that is crazy. Like, man, like, I'll never complain about having to run a mile or three miles again. Like, what am I doing with myself? I'm like, oh, my goodness. Oh, my God. It's Real. wild. Yeah, I couldn't uh, imagine that. <laughs> so I, I, I have one question question for for chris so um what is what is the best thing moving forward for helping the cause for what you're battling right now for als like what what is nest is it is it is it funding of money is it just awareness is it like what is the biggest like what is something that someone like me or someone could do to help the cause i think kind of According it to back to what you refer to with the cost to sell that one car for one point two, you got to sell it for forty thousand first. So I think how I see it, awareness still is the biggest thing because the money will eventually catch up. The more it's a household name that people know about it the better because how I see it, the cure eventually will come. I don't know when ever how, but then I always tell people what's really important for the here and the now is trying to be able to get caregivers because how this really it takes a toll on the person with their list 
and the loved one and doing so much to care for them because they really don't have shit out there for I take care of people in terms of like grants or agencies or something right. just provide because that can run a person 200,000 a year. Now, just, just to, to remain care, uh, caregiving. Just yeah, so, stuff to go into it. Wow. When I get a trick, which is, um, there's a cut a hole in my neck with a windpipe to breathe for me. I need 24 hour care. And that will be easy. A 200, 300,000 a year to, to stay alive. So it's a big thing where awareness just letting people know. And that's the reality of it. And that's a thing to where policies and other changes need to come up and that's my lane. I feel like I want that because I'll be real. I don't think it will come to reverse it for me and this is what my life will be like. But if my wife can be my wife and I'm a caregiver, we just providing three or four or four time jobs for other people and that can help them. And that's where I'm at and I guess Nancy full yeah, awareness about all the in and out of the reality of what it really requires. Right. Yeah. And it, it's so crazy when you think about the perspective of how much you have to pay for, for caretaking. And, you know, it's something most of us, especially at our age, that we wouldn't even consider. It's not something that we would think Just about. Don't, don't think about it at all. Yeah. yeah. And if, I mean, that's something like some of our parents, we're going to have to start thinking about is if our parents, that if they ever need that caretaking service. like, And not even that, if it does cross your mind, you don't think of, how expensive it really is you yeah. know um yeah so part of what we're doing obviously this podcast is to spread awareness um and give insight to the fact that man a lot of this stuff is expensive um and it's hard to do it on your own and we're we're trying to raise funds for als trying to raise funds for chris and at ultimate goal, spread awareness. And Chris is doing everything he can to, to make that impact, um, given the circumstance. We just need to meet that one NBA player who's really behind it because you hear about football in LS all the time. You never hear about any of those athletes. I can behind it. Now, not saying they need to, but it just be cool with. Be cool, be dope. It it it's necessary. I think, you know, there there are a lot of guys out there with big hearts that you know would love. I think a lot of people are clueless, you know, mm-hmm. to a lot of the things that are going on, and 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 just like we're clueless about just the care alone, just that mm-hmm. like clueless about the disease itself, you know, 
Um, okay. Well, but, yeah. Wendell, were you familiar with the ice bucket challenge? Yeah. Yeah. So, so that was all ALS related. Right. And I feel like that that was even still downplayed to an extent yeah. of the, of the people who participated. Mm-hmm. But I felt like I, I remember seeing comments of like through social media at the time, like, it's cool and all that you guys are doing this, but the point of it is to, you know, raise funds and spread awareness and people are taking it as a game and as just a thing to do because everyone else is doing it. Right. Uh, more so than just really tapping in and trying to make a difference and in, in, in lending a hand and helping. So that's where things can, as much as, much as social media is a big push, it could also take away if it's, if it's not driven correctly, if the vehicle is not driven correctly. So Very true. And then thank it it's doing so many great things, but yeah, the message certainly did get lost within it. And then like, well, I'll take that if at least people can make that connection with ALS in the ice bucket. So you got to take the good with the not as good with it's a fame, but mm-hmm. it's all. No, but good things, uh, hopefully, that come from me. Yeah, absolutely. So, Wendell, thanks so much for hopping on Born to Battle with us. It's been such a pleasure to hear about your experiences and just kind of recap on some of our experiences together. Yeah. Uh, this has been really great. So thank you for joining us. Most definitely. Uh, do you have any words uh, that you want to share for the people? Uh, I do, man. Um, and I think just the biggest thing is you guys is to to be fortunate for what you have because um, tomorrow isn't promised. And that's for everybody. You know, um, we all got to go sometime. And you have people and, you know, you get you get lost in it all the time, you know, day to day because we're just we're living our lives. And we all go through our problems, but there's always that next person out there that just has it 10 times worse. And, and that can just be from having a finger to having all 10 of your fingers to having your arms, your egg, your sight, your, you know, food on the table, clothes on your back, roof over your head. Um, no, everyone's the same. No one's different, man. And, and, um, live life because we are fortunate to have it. Um, and, uh, I mean, that's just the biggest things, you know, and live it to the fullest. Don't have regrets. And, and if there's things out there that you've always wanted to do, go pursue them and don't let anything hold you back from doing it. Um, yeah. Absolutely. That was beautiful. Yeah. Very well said. You're telling us so many amazing things and life's here. We're living in some Let's do it and make the best of it. And we live and learn some. It's fun, man. I'm enjoying it. Absolutely, man. We just got to keep rocking with it, keep going. And then just talk about how we used to lock up dubs on on the court. (laughs) Wow. Hey, Wendell, you remember remember Becca's big old booty? He would use this booty, bro. <laughs> All his boxing out. No other point guard out there boxing out, but Beck if you throwing that big old booty. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God, that's too funny. Man, 
There's no better feeling than someone taller than me. And could draw by, and I still get the rebound. Right. Oh, fuck you, man. What now? Hey, hey, don't forget about the bows, too. When oh, you had them bows were out. Man, back, were out. In the, back in the day, when you actually go. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Too close. Here's an elbow. Yeah. <laughs> sure, sure. Alright. Well, that's a wrap of the show. Um, yeah. This is fun, man. It was. Awesome. Man, Window, thank you so much for jumping on. I'm really glad you two connected and made this happen, guys. You made my night too, bro. Anytime for all. I mean that, bro. I love you so much, man. I love you so much, bro. Appreciate it, man. No, that was good. And you weren't joking. There's so much that happened in the life that I didn't know about. I'm like, that's crazy. Man, it, it really is. You're going to have a fun time. I'm, honestly, I'm probably going to have to put it into like three episodes <laughs> because and make it like a three-part series where one talks about like basketball, the other talks about hobby, the other yeah, talks about yeah. music. Um, it could be like we release one one week and then like another one or two, three weeks later. Or consider on the mirror. I don't know. Whatever you want to do, boss. <laughs> I ain't your boss. Go. Oh, it's exactly. You the star, though. Sean the star. No matter who you are. Hey.